Hello and welcome to Coffee and Code. I'm your host, Ashley Coffee. Coffee and Code is your weekly rundown for the latest top tech news from around the world delivered every Wednesday. On this show, you'll find a mix of the latest news in the tech world, including privacy, infosec, startups, and more, including interviews with experts, innovators, and practical everyday tech tips to level up your life. Subscribe to Coffee and Code to be notified when new episodes go live. You can also find me on Twitter at AshleyCoffee underscore, that's A-S-H-L-E-Y-C-O-F-F-E-Y underscore, and on Instagram at AshleyRCoffee89. Thanks for listening, and welcome to Coffee and Code. Today, we will be covering the MGM data breach, COVID-19 data and fax machines, the battle on apps with foreign ties, and why the market for leaked data is appealing to law enforcement. Let's dive in. A hacker is selling details of 142 million MGM hotel guests on the dark web. The popular MGM Resort's 2019 data breach is much larger than initially reported and is now believed to have impacted more than 142 million hotel guests, and not just the 10.6 million that was initially reported back in February of this year. The new finding came to light over the weekend after a hacker put up for sale the hotel's data in an ad published on a dark web cybercrime marketplace. According to the ad, the hacker is selling the details of 142,479,937 MGM hotel guests for a price just over $2,900. That's a lot of data. The MGM breach occurred in the summer of 2019 when a hacker gained access to one of the hotel's cloud servers and stole information on the hotel's past guests. MGM learned of the incident last year, but never made the security breach public, but did notify impacted customers, according to local data breach notification laws. The security breach came to light in February 2020 after a batch of 10.6 million MGM hotel guests' data was offered as a free download on a hacking forum. At the time, MGM admitted to suffering a security breach, but the company didn't disclose the full breadth of the intrusion. An MGM spokesperson also pointed out that the vast majority of data consisted of contact information like names, postal addresses, and email addresses. Financial information, ID, or social security numbers and reservation details were not included, MGM said in February, which has been confirmed after reviewing two different batches of MGM data. The 10.6 million user records leaked in February and a newer 20 million batch shared by the hackers on Sunday. However, the MGM data could be even bigger than the 142 million count that's reported today. The head of research at threat intel firm Kela, K-E-L-A, said back in February that the MGM data had been circulating and was being sold in private hacking circles since at least July 2019, 
And posts on a Russian hacking forum promoted the MGM data breach as containing details on more than 200 million hotel guests. Whew, that is crazy. As U.S. COVID-19 cases surge, public health officials are battling broken, fragmented data systems with some relying on fax machines, which is seriously impeding progress. Yes, you heard it right. Fax machines. They're still here. Before public health officials can manage the pandemic, they must deal with a broken data system that sends incomplete results in formats that they can't easily use. The county of Harris in Houston, Texas, has recorded more than 40,000 coronavirus cases, and the health department has recently become overwhelmed when one laboratory sent a large batch of test results, literally spraying hundreds of pages all over their floors. As hard as the United States works to control coronavirus, it keeps running into problems caused by its fragmented health system, a jumble of old and new technology, and data standards that don't meet epidemiologists' needs. Public health officials and private laboratories have managed to expand testing to more than half a million performed daily, but they just do not have a system that can smoothly handle that avalanche of results. Health departments track the virus's spread with a distinctly American patchwork, a reporting system in which some test results arrive via smooth data feeds, but others come in by phone, email, physical mail, or fax. Yes, fax. A technology retained because it complies with digital privacy standards for health information. These reports often come in as duplicates, go to the wrong health department, or are missing crucial pieces of information, such as a patient's phone number or address. The absence of a standard digital process is hampering case reporting and contact tracing, crucial to slowing the spread of the disease. Many labs have joined the effort, but had limited public health experience, increasing the confusion here. In Travis County, which is in Austin, Texas, the health department is receiving around 1,000 faxes a day, including duplicate results. Some faxes are meant for other jurisdictions, and many are missing crucial pieces of information needed for the office to investigate cases. Most such faxes in Austin are being sent to a computer, but they still need to be printed and manually entered into a public health database. On average, this office is getting all the information it needs about a test, about 11 days after the test is taken, which is far too late to make contact tracing worthwhile. The Interim Health Authority for the City of Austin and Travis County has been advising those in the area with virus symptoms to assume that they are positive since the tests are taking so long to come back. Before the pandemic, nearly 90% of laboratory test results for diseases tracked by public health departments were transmitted digitally, according to the CDC. But the need for widespread coronavirus testing has brought many more players into the public health arena, including companies that usually run tests only for employers and small clinics that usually test for diseases like the flu and strep throat. 
that has pushed up the share of lab tests coming through to public health departments and other forms. Some public health officials say they've been especially vexed by the ubiquity of fax machines with their blurry printouts and analog data. Large national laboratories typically have software that allows them to communicate electronically with a wide range of hospitals and public health systems. But smaller labs drawn to coronavirus testing by high payment rates often don't invest in expensive software packages when they can just simply send the the data by fax instead. So the price difference here, we're talking $500 versus literally $5,000. In the early 2010s, the federal government spent billions to encourage doctors to replace fax machines with electronic records. That program, known as the High Tech Act, did not include similar funding for public health departments to help them automatically digitize faxes and other non-standard results. Nor did it require hospitals and doctors' offices to build technology that would automatically send relevant test results to local health officials. The battle on apps with foreign ties continues. Lawmakers on the House Oversight and Reform Committee continue applying pressure to companies like Google and Apple, seeking, at a minimum, commitments from the tech giants to be more transparent with users about the applications in their app stores. In separate letters to companies Google and Apple this Tuesday, Representative Stephen Lynch chairman of the subcommittee on national security sought assurances that the companies would warn users about applications that are developed, operated, or owned by foreign entities and could pose privacy risks to Americans. The letters followed recent testimony from intelligence and FBI officials outlining national security risks posed by foreign-owned apps, including the ability to create backdoors into user devices and sharing user information with the government in which it resides. Lynch says in the letters, quote, as industry leaders, Apple and Google can and must do more to ensure that smartphone applications made available to U.S. citizens on their platforms protect stored data from unlawful foreign exploitation and do not compromise U.S. national security. At a minimum, Apple and Google should take steps to ensure that users are aware of the potential privacy and national security risks of sharing sensitive information with applications that store data in countries adversarial to the United States or whose developers are subsidiaries of foreign companies, end quote. Were Apple and Google to comply, users would be warned about the potential dangers before downloading certain applications like TikTok, a popular social media app owned by Beijing-based startup ByteDance. Last month, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo floated the possibility of the U.S. government banning TikTok over its connections with China. Currently, neither Google nor Apple requires developers to provide users with information regarding where their data is stored or which country has jurisdiction over that data. The companies also decide, do not decide, what user data can be accessed by a third-party application. In the letters, Lynch requested answers from the companies regarding whether they'll up their transparency game with users, 
whether they've removed foreign connected applications from their app stores, and why and whether they have recommendations for improving user protection from foreign connected applications. I'll be following this to kind of see how it develops, but really interesting considering a lot of apps are developed outside of the US. So I'll keep you all updated on this developing story. Police are buying access to hacked website data. Hackers break into websites, steal information, and then publish that data all the time, with other hackers or scammers then using it for their own ends. But breached data now has another customer, law enforcement. Some companies are selling government agencies access to data stolen from websites in the hope that it can generate investigative leads with the data including passwords, email addresses, IP addresses, and more. In a recent webinar, a company called SpyCloud claimed to, quote, empower investigators from law enforcement agencies and enterprises around the world to more quickly and efficiently bring malicious actors to justice, end quote. The sale highlights a somewhat novel use of breached data and signals how data ordinarily associated with the commercial sector can be repurposed by law enforcement too. But it also raises questions about whether law enforcement agencies should be leveraging information originally stolen by hackers. By buying products from SpyCloud, law enforcement would also be obtaining access to hacked data on people who are not associated with any crimes. The vast majority of people affected by data breaches are not criminals and would, need, would not need to follow the usual mechanisms of sending a legal request to a company to obtain user data. Rihanna Pfefferkorn, the Associate Director of Surveillance and Cybersecurity at the Stanford Center for Internet and Society, said, quote, It's disturbing that law enforcement can simply buy their way into obtaining vast amounts of account information, even passwords, without having to obtain any legal processes. Normally, if the police want to find out, say, what IP address is associated with a particular online account, they do have to serve legal processes on the service provider. This is an end run around the usual legal processes. We impose those requirements on law enforcement for good reason, end quote. She also said that while tracking down criminals sounds like a silver lining about data breaches, it's unsettling that law enforcement agencies are paying taxpayer dollars to capitalize on breaches that, after all, already victimize the people whose data is in those data sets. SpyCloud's main business is providing various tools to individuals or organizations trying to stop account takeovers. On its website, anyone can sign up with their email address, verify that they control it, and then see what data breaches their information is included in. In some ways, it's a commercial version of security researchers uh, Troy Hunt's own data breach service called Have I Been Pwned? Have I Been Pwned? <laughs> um, SpyCloud differs in that its data can be bundled with investigative software such as Maltego to more easily draw connections between different bits of information. Multiple companies that started selling their data products to the commercial sector have since catered to law enforcement. Federal agencies, including Immigration and Customs Enforcement, have purchased location data harvested from smartphone apps that usually is collected or bought by ad firms. 
Rihanna Peffercorn also said, using these pools of breached data in this way is ethically dubious, but so obviously attractive for malign purposes as well as good. This is really interesting considering how our data is consistently floating around. Um, no matter what apps we use, where we go, it's there. So it's interesting that um, this information is starting to flow into the society in different ways. And law enforcement is kind of taking um, a roundabout way of accessing that information. So really interesting stuff there. And that's the scoop on coffee and code. If there's a specific topic that you want to hear more about, let me know by visiting anchor.fm forward slash coffee and code forward slash message. I'd love to hear from you. Also, before I leave you today, I want to cover a recent tech tip. So if you have an iPhone, something you can actually do, which is pretty interesting, is share your medical ID information during an emergency call. So if you're calling 911. So if you don't have an iPhone and you're not sure what medical ID is, medical ID is like having a virtual uh, medical bracelet. So you can have information like medications you're allergic to, any kind of health conditions that you have, your blood type, your date of birth, um, emergency contact information. So what's great about this is that when you call 911, third-party services can relay this information to the dispatcher, which can actually speed up the process of getting the care that you need. And um, Apple is really, really on the forefront of making sure privacy is, is their number one concern here. So Apple cannot read your medical ID information, just so you know. You can also choose to share your medical ID on your lock screen. So this allows first responders to provide better care by looking at your medical ID, even if your device is locked. So I recommend this. I have it on my device. I think it's a great feature. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that tech tip. Also, I want to give a special thank you to Just Good Coffee Company, the official coffee partner of Coffee and Code. Their mission is simple, to offer good coffee and coffee for good. From cup to community, that is the sole purpose of Just Good Coffee. Be sure to check out their newest culture collection. These blends are carefully crafted and roasted to perfection, each with origins from within the great continent of Africa. You can find them at justgoodcoffee.co. Thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe to be notified when new episodes of Coffee and Code go live.